welcome, welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined today by the two usual suspects. First, in the 757, we have the one and only Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, what's going on? It is the end of October, almost. And um, my excitement level for Virginia Tech football is at an all-time low. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying to smile on the pod, fellas. But the rest of this season, now I will say this: I am working on a column which will be out tomorrow, uh, and we'll talk about this on the pod probably. But there are some things that Tech fans can look forward to for the rest of the season that don't include the coaching staff, basketball season, and no, and. <laughs> I Christmas. think that I think that those things are worth talking about, but unfortunately, the cloud over the program is obviously uh, making it difficult to worry about anything other than who is going to be leading this program next year. Well, Mike McDaniel, do you have any more optimistic tone that you can take here? Ready to Live be heard again, Nevada. fellas. Ready to be heard again. That's right. That's right. Indeed. Indeed. Well, you are three and four. Virginia Tech Hokies travel down I-95 to Atlanta to take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets this Saturday on Masson. We're going to talk all about it. But first, we got to talk about our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy that you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number. And look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Jeremy, sometimes we worry about you when you start having conversations with your business account and your personal account, but we still support the pharmacy, okay? We still support it, and we appreciate you supporting us. All right, well, before we get into the context of what this game means for Virginia Tech, I want to talk about Georgia Tech a little bit. We all remember the struggles that Virginia Tech had against the triple option that Paul Johnson was running there for a number of years at Georgia Tech, but Paul Johnson is gone. It is year three under Jeff Collins, and it has been something of a rough transition. That was to be expected, right? I mean, you had to teach your offensive linemen how to pass block. You needed to get a quarterback that was actually capable of throwing the ball. But here in year three, where I feel like fan expectations might be a little higher down there in Atlanta, the results have been a mixed bag. Mike, we know that you're very cued in on the Yellow Jackets because your boy Joey Weaver, who you do your podcast with for the Basketball Conference podcast, all about ACC football, is an alum there. You have your fair share of uh, Georgia Tech talk under your belt on a week-to-week basis. Can this transition be considered a success so far? Jerry is still out there. Uh, Jerry's still out. I mean, the the issue is that, I mean, they're dealing with some stuff that, that's not dissimilar to what the Hokies are dealing with, where they're struggling with uh, consistency insofar as something different is plaguing them on a week-to-week basis now. They do have some talent, clearly. Um, Collins has recruited well in his three years at Georgia Tech, uh, but it was going to be 
and, and they knew this going in, it was going to be a, a tough transition. I mean, when you run the option for that long, you know, starting with personnel up front on the offensive line, you know, you got undersized offensive linemen that you now need to, in year one, and, and we saw this as an issue for Georgia Tech in year one, why it was such a tough adjustment. They have to learn how to pass block. They need, they aren't big enough to be playing true ACC football where you line up for four downs and go right at somebody. It's, it's a little bit different when you're running the option. Uh, they have they have and they are still in the process of overhauling uh, the offensive line and it's gotten better. I mean, we're in year three. It's certainly gotten better from what it was. That's still a work in progress. Um, they have a good quarterback in Jeff Sims, a good young quarterback, He's a sophomore. Um, played pretty well last year uh, in year one. He's a guy who, uh, you know, flipped over from, from Florida State. Uh, he is talented. You know, you got Jameer Gibbs at running back. He was one of the top running backs in the state of Georgia uh, when, when he came into the program at the same time as Jeff Sims. Uh, he's, he's a good player as well. Uh, so they, they got some talent there now defensive side of the ball, you know, Jeff Collins specialty coming over from temple is the defense or was the defense. And I liken this a little bit to when Pat Narduzzi went to Pittsburgh from Michigan state, a lot of people were expecting Pittsburgh's defense to instantly be really good. And it wasn't, and really Pittsburgh's defense up until like year five was pretty average. And then had a couple good years, was so-so last year, and has been a little bit better this year at Pittsburgh. Georgia Tech is kind of running into the same thing here, where defensively, it's been kind of up and down. And for the first couple of years of the regime for Jeff Collins, you could point to the fact that, okay, they're still overhauling the offense. So the defense has been put in a lot of difficult situations. This year, the defense hasn't performed very well at all. Um, they're 97th in total defense. They're giving up almost six yards per play. So they've taken a step back defensively while the offense, in a lot of ways, has taken steps forward. So defensively, especially in year three, it's been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, but I think the jury is still out on, on whether or not it's a success just because I think it was going to take a while to kind of overhaul the, the option offense from a personnel standpoint. So people had to be patient at Georgia Tech. I want to ask you this before I get to Ricky and we talk about this defense. Jeff Collins. Is hot seat a conversation surrounding his name right now? No, not, not, not yet. I mean, early in the year, sure. Uh, because they were, you know, losing to Northern Illinois in the opener was not a very good look. Uh, but Georgia Tech has also played you know, they, they've played some good games, obviously, since then. Uh, it's been a bit up and down. They are three and four. Uh, but this is a team that, it, you know, you're seeing something different week to week. You know, you lose to Northern Illinois, but you also play Clemson close. And then you beat Carolina by three touchdowns. Then you lose to Pitt by four touchdowns. So it's like it's kind of this roller coaster week to week. You know, the Duke game was close. They were very fortunate to win that one. The UVA game was not as close as the final score indicated. Georgia Tech actually recovered two onside kicks in the fourth quarter and scored on both of those. They were actually getting blown out by UVA. It was one of their worst defensive performances of the season for Georgia Tech. So it's been, it's been a struggle on defense, and, but the offense has been up and down. And, and on the good weeks, they can be pretty explosive on that side of the ball. 
Ricky, Virginia Tech's offense took a step forward against Syracuse and perhaps at the right time here because as Mike mentioned, Georgia Tech's defense is bad and they are getting worse. This team let up 48 points to UVA, 52 points to Pitt. They were gashed for nearly 500 yards in a narrow victory against Duke for the Yellow Jackets. The Virginia Tech's offense have shown themselves to be anemic at times. Is this unit capable of building upon some of the better things that we saw against Syracuse and taking advantage of a defensive unit that might just be worse than the ACC? I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be taking advantage of anyone in the passing game. I just don't think that that's going to happen this year. Now, what we saw against Syracuse was that this offensive line is capable of putting together a good performance, and Malachi Thomas is capable of being an explosive player. If Virginia Tech can find a way to win in the trenches again on the offensive line, they can certainly put up points against this defense. Uh, Andrew, you mentioned it. They've they've given up 127 points in three games, which is dreadful by by any by any standard. Um, granted, Virginia's offense is really good. Um, Pitt's offense is really good. Uh, at least in relative to the conference, but you can't give up 127 points in three games and and come into this game with much confidence. But so, so many of my issues when it comes to trying to parse out Virginia Tech's matchups are that I just don't have the confidence in Virginia Tech's ability to throw the ball that they can take advantage of a weaker matchup in a week to week basis. And that's, going to continue to hold them back. If they can find a way to, to have some more explosive plays on the ground, then they'll the, the offense will certainly be able to put up some points. And I'm not sure exactly how much they're going to need because Georgia Tech's offense, while it is getting better, is still by no means a finished product. But um, Tech's going to have to lean on the running game in this one. And quite honestly, I think they have to. Trying to limit your reliance on throwing the football is the the key to winning games for this team as it's currently constituted. They're not going to win games by airing it out. Um, They've got a potentially good running back in Malachi Thomas. Uh, Three of their best players on the offensive side of the ball are on that left side of the line. They need to take advantage of those. And we saw Virginia Tech go with some quick hitters in the run game against Syracuse, and I'm hoping we're going to see more of that uh, this weekend. Yeah, and and you look at this Georgia Tech linebacking core, let's just say they leave a lot to be desired. I mean, you look at the group, Ace Ealy, Charlie Thomas, Quez Jackson right up there up the middle, and I mean, you go through the numbers, you watch the film, you see the pro football focus grades, and Ealy and Jackson are two of the worst linebackers in the ACC, perhaps even the country now Thomas grades out pretty well that being said we have a Thomas of our own that's Malachi Thomas the true freshman was able to really get going against Syracuse 150 yards rushing a breath of fresh air for Virginia Tech fan base that's been looking for the running back group to get something on the ground since the departure of Khalil Herbert do we have any reason is there any possible justification for us not to see Malachi Thomas as that featured back on Saturday with Raheem Blackshear working in. 
Like is Holston and King, they're just done, right? At this point. I mean, they're they need to be getting the least amount of carries possible. Um you obviously zero. have to you have to spell Malachi and you have to make sure you're not, you know, gassing him in in the second quarter. But in all seriousness, Virginia Tech's running back uh carry distribution needs to be Malachi Thomas, like 70%, 80%, Raheem Blackshear, 15%, everyone else, five. I mean, something, I, I, something like that. I think what we saw against Syracuse is a good blueprint going forward. About yeah. a two to a two to one ratio with Malachi Thomas at two, Raheem Blackshear at one. The other guys can, you know, enjoy the bench. As long as he doesn't get forward. hurt. As long as he doesn't get hurt. I mean, yes. I, we well, can say yeah, about all the Of course, if he backs, gets but... hurt, then that, that destroys the rotation. But... Yeah. But if you're if you're Virginia Tech, your goal is to win football games, and if that means giving Malachi Thomas twenty plus carries a game, then you got to do it. Right. I mean, that's what's happening with Syracuse right now and Sean Tucker. Right. No, you absolutely got to play Malachi Thomas. The only reason why I bring up the um the the injury part of this is just because Malachi Thomas uh he needs to put on a little bit of weight. I mean, he's yeah, a true. He I mean, he's a true freshman, right? I mean, he's a true freshman. He's he's definitely thin. Yeah, but. I, I do think, you know, managing the workload, you know, it's one thing to to say, okay, well, we don't give him two thirds of the carries. I mean, you you give him two thirds of the carries, you know, give him the give him the Syracuse blueprint, you know, like like we just had, um, and have Blackshear spell him because we want Blackshear on the field anyway, and we want him getting touches. So if that's a way I'll to say this, if Malachi Thomas is healthy at the end of this game, and he has no more than fifteen carries. I'm going to be pretty, pretty irritated because that means either a, they distributed too much to the other backs or B they threw the ball too much. And neither of those are blueprints to success for this offense. Does Thomas's, you know, lack of size. Does that make you worried in pass pro? I mean, not, it didn't seem like Jalen Holston was all that great in pass pro either, yeah. but I mean, this is a slender dude. I, I don't mean, think it, it matters at this point like no because tech tech needs to basically abandon the passing game and 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 only use it when they're creating the absolute ideal matchup play action situation or it's an absolute have to must pass on the third medium third long everything else Virginia Tech just needs to stop throwing the ball because they they just don't have it the receivers aren't generating the separation downfield Braxton Burmeister is not accurate. He doesn't have the arm strength. He's probably not still 100%. Virginia Tech is not going to move the ball offensively through the air on a consistent basis. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, did you see anything positive evolve in the pass game? And it, I mean, Braxton they got Burmeister. the tight end involved, which was, I mean, m- absolutely mind blowing. Watching a tight end get an open look in the passing game on a play action was like seeing a unicorn. We haven't seen Virginia tech involve their tight ends like that other than James Mitchell since Chris Cunningham. And that's going back a ways, right? Like I was still a student. So tech needs to find a way to get some of those throws more. We saw a lot of that with Josh Jackson and Gerard Evans when they were playing quarterback in this offense. But once they transitioned 
We saw a little with Hennon and Hooker, but not nearly as much, almost never with Ryan Willis. Uh, I don't think I've seen it really at all this year other than last week. Yeah, I want to add two thoughts to that. And I, I can't speak, you know, I don't want to speak to, to past years, but this year and this, this past game against Syracuse, I think a big reason why we saw the tight ends get involved is number one, Tech set up the run. <laughs> like they were able to set up that play with the run, yeah. which we haven't, which we haven't seen. The other thing is that, you know, especially since James Mitchell, you know, left the lineup early in the season, Virginia Tech's had so much trouble and, and they were having trouble when Mitchell was healthy too, but they've had so much trouble protecting the quarterback up front that they've been keeping the tight ends in the block a lot. And I don't know if that, if that's good or not, because then you have less guys running routes, but it's kind of been out of necessity because when you don't have the running backs protecting the quarterback, you don't have the offensive line protecting the quarterback then you got to, you got to max protect. And we haven't seen a lot of like max protection, but we have seen the tight ends kept into kept in the block. I think a little bit more than I think Virginia tech was, was planning on doing going into the season. So Mike, let's talk about Jeff Sims on the other side of the ball. This was the kid that was supposed to be that first true quarterback in the transition under Jeff Collins. And from what I've seen, he is a dynamic explosive player but the consistency from week to week doesn't seem to be there in your estimation is Jeff Sims a player that could beat Virginia Tech on his own yeah oh yeah for sure I mean this is the type of quarterback that's historically given Virginia Tech's defense trouble I mean he's elusive he he can run he can throw and I mean he's his accuracy has been an issue right? Like he's completing 62% of his passes, but like you said, Andrew, like week to week, it's kind of a roller coaster. Um, he was banged up early in the year. He's gotten healthier. Uh, so, you know, Georgia tech was shuffling quarterbacks early in the year, but that was because Sims was banged up since Sims has re-entered the starting lineup. It's been up and down. Now there are some weeks where he takes care of the football. He's very good. I mean, he's very tough to stop, but He's generally good for one to two boneheaded decisions per game still. And, you know, they kind of threw him into the fire last year because he was in a situation where like he didn't have a real off season, right. Because of COVID but as a true freshman, they're like, we got to play this kid because it was year two for Collins and he didn't have a quarterback in year one that was, you know, those worth anything. It's like, we got to play this kid. So they got him a ton of reps. He had a real off season. Then he got banged up early in the year. That didn't help him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is the type of kid who can absolutely hurt Virginia Tech. I mean, he's averaging almost seven yards per carry. He's got four touchdowns on the ground. He's got nine touchdowns through the air. But he has thrown five interceptions. And he has a tendency. All of which have come in his last three. Yeah. And he's got a tendency to turn the ball over. So I mean, there's going to be opportunities for Virginia Tech to make some plays defensively on Saturday for sure. And I think if Virginia Tech makes those plays, they're, they're going to put themselves in good position to win the football game. And probably the big question is what Virginia Tech defense are we going to see? Huge in this question, game? right. I mean, are we going to see the defense that gave up, what, 30-plus to Notre Dame and then 30-plus to Syracuse? Or are we going to see the defense that we saw earlier in the season? Right. Um, I've, I've almost written off this pass rush at this point, which is incredibly frustrating given the six sacks in the opener against Carolina, but this pass rush just is not impacting the football game, both on the, on the outsides or in the interior. 
Um, ultimately, it's going to come down to their to the secondary and whether or not they're able to take advantage of those opportunities that Jeff Sims is going to give them. Because, uh, like you said, Mike, they're going to be out there. there. There's going to be some opportunities for Virginia Tech to make a big play in the in, on the defensive end, but they've got to take advantage of them, uh, and and they have to also limit their own uh, breakdowns as well. Obviously, the the final play in the Syracuse game where Garrett Trader throws an absolute money throw, money ball to win the game. That was a, a, a defensive miscue. It was a miscommunication. They were in the wrong play. They didn't check when they were supposed to. And Tech's got to avoid those stupid mistakes because that's literally how you lose football games. The pass rush hasn't been great, but the run defense, I mean, especially against Syracuse, just absolutely abysmal. And you let Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader both go for over 100 yards, 174 for Schrader and three touchdowns. That was a career day. Tucker, who pretty much brings it every week, 112. And It was weird. And, Andrew, it was weird because I I thought Virginia Tech's defense did an okay job on Tucker. Schrader just – I mean, Schrader killed him. I mean, it was brutal. Anyway, sorry. I digress. Uh, I mean, so you have the mobility of Sims. And of course, a name that Virginia Tech fans won't remember from the last matchup when the Yellow Jackets and the Hokies faced off is Jameer Gibbs, a kid who represented a massive recruiting win in the state of Georgia for Jeff Collins two years ago, class of 2020, top 10 recruit in the state of Georgia, top 100 kid nationally. And he's pretty darn good, guys. I mean, Last year, as a true freshman, 5.2 yards per carry and four touchdowns. So far this year, 411 yards on 90 attempts, two touchdowns, about 4.6 yards per carry. If the run defense plays like it did last week, do we expect Jameer Gibbs to give this defense fits? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Jordan Mason scared the hell out of me. (laughs) <laughs> and now you've got Dante Smith and Jameer Gibbs right along with him. Um, this is going to be a really tough challenge for Tech, given what we saw against Syracuse. They're going to have to be on their best behavior. I mean, they've got one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the ACC. They've got three talented running backs, one of which has been one of the better all-purpose weapons in the conference so far in Gibbs. Um Andrew, you mentioned that they did an okay job against Sean Tucker in terms of not letting him have a career day. But at some point, you can't sell out on one guy and then get absolutely obliterated by the other. And that's what worries me a little bit in this game. Yep. Now, to be fair, uh, Jeff Sims hasn't really had big running days since the Carolina win where he ran for 128 and three scores. Um, but it's also not like he's having negative yardage days when he's not making an impact. So we could see a situation where Jeff Sims has even a moderate impact in the running game. And that may be all, all he needs because the the guys that are next to him in the backfield are going to be productive. Uh, I, I don't see Virginia tech. I don't see them, uh, I guess they could slow the running game and and not get absolutely ran over, but they're not going to bottle this up. 
this is a different looking um, a different looking running game. So they can be every bit as potent as Syracuse, but it's a different kind of rushing attack. And so far as Jeff Sims isn't going to keep the ball and just run downhill right at you like Garrett Schrader is, right? So Garrett Schrader, bigger bodied quarterback. Jeff Sims, more like a, a six foot one, like light on his feet not going to just run right at a linebacker and run him over. Yeah, I mean, right? which is kind of like how Braxton is. Exactly. Exactly. He's a, he's a uh, little bit bigger version, more athletic version of, well, Burmeister's pretty athletic, but just a better, he's a, he's a high, high more highly touted recruit because I know Burmeister was a four star. Sims was almost a five. I mean, very, very good player, uh, but t- just very different from what Virginia tech faced last week against Garrett Schrader. So, Jameer Gibbs is every bit, and he's, you know, Sean Tucker, very good running back. Jameer Gibbs is is every bit as good. Uh, he hasn't had the success this year that Sean Tucker has had, but he's a very good running back, and he's very capable, and he's extremely athletic. Um, all the talent in the world. Jeff Sims can kill you in the read option game. He can kill you when the play breaks down and the defenders are 30 yards down the field. He can take off and run. He hurts you in different ways than Schrader does, and he's a more consistent, even though the, we, we went over the passing numbers and it's been a roller coaster week to week, and he does have the propensity to turn the football over, but he's a more capable passer than Garrett Schrader is also. I think what worries me too about this Virginia Tech defense is Georgia Tech has some athletes, right? It's not like they've got you know those, those good college football players that aren't great athletes. These athletes can make you miss in the open field. And what has been the number one issue for Virginia Tech's defense all season long? Tackling. Tackling. It's specifically in the open field. Not only have they been bad in terms of making tackles near the gap when they actually do fit their fit the run right, but their open field tackling has been pretty, pretty bad all season long. Um, a lot of that can be traced to the linebackers. Some of it can be traced to the safeties. But it really has been kind of a, a, a team unit-wide failure in terms of always missing on the first attempt. And Virginia Tech's defense, while, I mean, they have been relatively decent for most of the season, they're not good enough to cover up all of those extra plays where your opponent should be getting two or three yards and instead they're getting five or six. That, that adds up. On the other side here, you mentioned Braxton Burmeister, and Ricky, you said you want to see it limited to as little as possible. So I'll turn to Mike to get his opinion on this one. It seemed like early on in the season, the conversation that we saw amongst the fan base was, we need to get Trey Turner more involved. We need to get Tavion Robinson more involved. And it seems like, obviously, the way that this season has gone, those guys, their their impact has been somewhere between limited and negligible. Are we still pushing for that? Or is this going to be a run first offense if they found something in Malachi Thomas? I mean, I think it's got to be run first. I mean, this is last week was the first time Virginia Tech's had consistent offensive success for like four quarters. Like we haven't seen that this year. Right. I mean, we've seen it in, we've seen, a quarter or a possession or a couple of possessions strung together, but that was the most consistent offensive performance so far last week. And it was all predicated on the running game, which was how Virginia tech made their hay 
last year as well. And to be honest, that's how Virginia Tech has made their hay and their more successful offensive seasons under Justin Fuente. I mean, we all talk about all the weapons Gerard had, but I mean, Gerard's rushing numbers were no joke, you know, in, in 2016. And, you know, 2017, Virginia Tech found a way to, to run the football then as well, because you guys will remember Josh Jackson, you know, he was still kind of learning the offense as, as a redshirt freshman, and the passing game was a little bit of a work in progress. But Virginia Tech found ways to score because they were setting up the pass with the run. I mean, Justin Fuente himself had said, you know, you pass to score, but you run to win. And we haven't seen Virginia Tech run the ball really well consistently all year. And last week was the first time we've seen four quarters of offense. It also happened to be the first time that Virginia Tech has run the ball as well as they had. So I don't think that's a coincidence either. I think you got it. You got to stick with the run if it's working because Virginia Tech's had enough trouble finding things that have worked offensively all year long. And also too, if you're going to try and throw the football and get those, those receivers involved, keep it simple, short, easy throws, stuff behind the line of scrimmage, screens, things like that. Try and get those guys the ball in open space. I'm fine with you giving the, giving them the ball on sweeps, just as long as it's not to the short side of the field. But yes, Tavion Robinson and Trey Turner are very good athletes, and you should try and get them the ball. But trying to get them the ball in the traditional passing game has not worked all season. Uh, you have to be a bit more creative with that. And, you know, this offense is going to look kind of primitive um, if it's operating right. And that sucks, right? It's not fun to watch Virginia Tech not throw the ball further than five yards down the field. But what's going to win me football games? And if, and if Virginia Tech has to run a boring primitive offense, then I don't really care what it looks like as long as it's effective. Well, even in 2016, right, when Virginia Tech was scoring all those points and setting all these school offensive records, it's not like the passing tree was something ridiculous. I mean, they it was it was one of the most simple and it still is still is, one of the yeah. most simplistic route trees that I that I have ever recalled seeing. Um, not that the, the route tree before Justin Fuente got here was all that great either. Right. But yeah. In 2016, a lot of those were just 50 50 fade balls. Yeah. Now, granted, Virginia Tech's probably doesn't – I mean, Tavion Robinson's having a really good year, and Trey Turner has basically been the same receiver since he's been a freshman, right? But Virginia Tech doesn't win those 50-50 balls very often, right? And They don't win them as often as they did because right. back then you had Bucky. one current NFL talent, one guy who stuck around in the NFL kind of off and on for a couple of years, and another guy, Cam Phillips, who was really just a, a terrific, outstanding college player. Yep. Um, Great XFL player, too. Yeah, none of those guys are doing anything. Or excuse me, none of the guys on the roster have had anywhere near as much production as any three of those players that right. we just mentioned. Right. So you can, you, can, you can utilize these guys and their skill set, but you also have to realize what you're working with and understand that your offense is limited. It is what it is. It is October 28th, and we're recording this podcast. Virginia Tech's offense is not going to drastically change in terms of the passing attack. We've seen enough, right? Unless one of those quarterbacks on the bench happens to be an outstanding passer of the football, which I don't think that they are, then this passing offense just is limited. It's capped. Yeah. Agree. I think the only way that this passing offense improves 
is if the running game is now con- a consistency with Virginia Tech week to week, right? And that doesn't mean that Braxton's going to complete 70% of his passes. That's not what I mean. But what it does mean is that Virginia Tech, so, some more explosive plays in the passing game could open up where all of a sudden, like the five-yard slant that's caught and immediately tackled is is you know, now turning into a five-yard play into a 15-yard play because the middle of the field's more open than than it was when you weren't running the ball very well. So I think that's the only way, like, the passing game gets better. Uh, because, I, look, what we saw last week is Braxton started out the game fine. And then, Rick, what'd you say he completed one of his last 10 and, like... It was, I think he completed five of his last 15. Five of his last I think 15. was the number, uh, yeah. which is obviously not great <laughs> right 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 um and i think he finished i think he finished 10 of 20 total so i mean that gives you and that gives you an idea of of and know, he's been hovering this. around that 50 to 55 percent completion rate all season right and that's just not going to cut it right so I mean, but it's certainly it's certainly bottomed out over the course of the past three games i mean notre dame Pitt, and now syracuse he hasn't surpassed that 50 percent mark in a game yeah right and and that's further that, evidence that this passing offense just is what it is at this point. Yeah. And that you you, you basically have to accept that and try and work around it. Yeah. If you're Justin Fuente, you can't go in there and keep banging your head against the wall and trying to move the ball through the air. Right. Understand who you are, accept who you are, and try to play to your strengths, which as of last week was running the football. Before yeah. that, this offense didn't have a strength. They, it had its worst game of the what year. Strength was so that's yeah. a po- so that's a positive revelation. But yeah, I mean, you guys are right. When someone shows you who they are, time and time again, you ultimately have to believe them. And I, it just seems like there are certain people out there who are looking at this this bill of goods that we're being fed from this offense and assuming that there's a magical switch that can be turned and suddenly everything's going to be howdy duty. And like Justin Funday said before the season, this is going to be the best passing offense since 2016. It's not, it's far from it. Yeah. <laughs> At a certain point, you need to make adjustments both to your expectations. And if you're Brad Cornelson and, you know, Justin Funday and everyone on the offense to your game plan and say, all right, let's do what works. And as Ricky mentioned, it might be boring. Yeah. But do one else is boring the three play two yard drives that we saw time and time again against Pittsburgh, the 224 total yards against Pitt, like that, that's yeah. boring. The one thing I wanted to mention real quick is even in my scenario where like maybe the short to intermediate passing game improves a little bit, that doesn't raise the ceiling of the offense. Like in the passing game, it raises the floor a little bit, but it's not going to raise the ceiling. I mean, you're not going to get a passing offense. It's drastically different. That that's not, that's not my point. I know you guys know that just for clarification, for listeners. Here's what worries me. Virginia Tech's ceiling on offense is significantly lower than Georgia Tech's ceiling on offense. Yeah, that's a concern, right? They have more explosiveness for sure. And Virginia Tech's floor on defense seems to be kind of close to Georgia Tech's floor on defense, whereas Virginia Tech's ceiling on defense feels a bit higher. But – given how Virginia Tech is playing and they've lost three in a row, I would be a bit silly to assume that Virginia Tech is going to play closer to their ceiling than Georgia Tech is. I mean, what worries me, right, is that in the games where Virginia Tech 
defensively ha- has floundered to any degree against lesser competition. See Syracuse, which actually their offense is pretty decent, but also see West Virginia, who has turned out to be uh, quite abysmal this year, especially <laughs> offensively. It's been the susceptibility to the big play, whether it be at the beginning of that West Virginia game, whether it be in the final few minutes of this past week against Syracuse and of course everything they did against the run. This Georgia Tech team definitely has the potential to break off big plays. You know, it it might not be a complete finished product, but the potential and the talent is there. Oh yeah. So for me, the difference in this game very well could be can Virginia Tech play a clean football game and play like they've played on, you know, 90% of plays 99% of the time and, and just don't let you get beat downfield. Yeah. <laughs> because ultimately Jeff Sims can do that to you. Gibbs can do that to you. The other yeah. two running backs can do that to you. They got decent wide receivers down there. What's it only what's, takes one. And Virginia Tech has shown in, you know, three of these four losses that, that one can come multiple times in the game and doom you. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like, when I watch Virginia Tech play and I watch Georgia Tech play, the thing about Virginia Tech is we're seeing, like, something different plague Virginia Tech every week, but it's in, in situational football, right? Georgia Tech, something different is plaguing them every week, but you could have games where Georgia Tech's just not there, right? It's like the consistency game to game with Georgia Tech, not there at all. Whereas Virginia Tech, it's like, okay, they're playing well or playing okay enough to keep themselves in the game for 55 minutes. And then it's the final five minutes where you get into the situational crunch time football where you look at the West Virginia loss, you look at the Notre Dame loss, and you look at this most recent loss to Syracuse, you run into the same issue time and time again for Virginia Tech where playing fine for 55 and then for the final five, playing very poorly. Now that's, that's how you lose close football games and, and bad teams find ways to lose, which is what Virginia tech has done. But Georgia tech has been high ceiling, low floor, and it's seemingly week to week, which as a Georgia tech fan, I, I get that it's part of the rebuild process, but I know patience wears thin with, with Jeff Collins when they see a team that shows so much upside one week. And then the next week against an opponent that's on par or even inferior it's worse. You know, it's like, Oh my God, how could we be this bad when we looked so good the week before? So that that's gotta be frustrating. as a Georgia tech fan. It's like two different ways to get to the same result. It, it, it is funny though, when you mention it like that, Mike, because these two fan bases right now are having such unique demoralizing experiences so far in 2021. I don't know which one is worse. I mean, as a fan of Virginia tech, it is tough to have blown three winnable games in the final five minutes. But at a certain point, it becomes, we've seen this movie before. <laughs> the Jekyll and Hyde nature of Georgia Tech has got to be something that, as a fan, would make you go crazy. Yeah. Virginia Tech's gone to some games, right? They've gone to some games where it's like, okay, Maybe Virginia Tech is like Notre Dame game is a prime example, right? Like maybe Virginia Tech's not as talented as Notre Dame, understanding that Notre Dame is having this is like their rebuild year and they're still probably gonna go nine and three, ten and two, right? But understanding that 
Notre Dame has recruited much better than Virginia Tech, and the talent on the field is probably, you know, Tech's probably at a disadvantage. But it's frustrating because it's like, all right, Virginia Tech's coaching in a lot of ways and the play of the guys on the field kept them in the game for most, most of it, right, up until, you know, five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then the, the play, the execution, and the coaching, the final five minutes just goes in the tank. And it's like Jekyll and Hyde within the same game versus like Jekyll and Hyde game to game. It's like two very frustrating ways to get to the same result. And I, and I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> I mean, I, I, certainly, I certainly don't either. Ricky, your confidence interval. I'll put up a number. 33. How confident are you that Virginia Tech can score 33 points in this game? And if they do that, will they win? How am I rating my confidence? I don't know. Scale of 1 to 10. Three. Wow. Here's a team that led up 500 yards to Duke and then 50 and 48 respectively against UVA and Pitt. I mean, I know those are significantly better offenses. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I'm at at this point. Um, scoring 30 plus points is going to be incredibly difficult for Virginia Tech's offense moving forward. I'm going to go with like a, I'm going to go with like a six. So you think it's more likely than not that they score 30 plus in this game? Yeah, Georgia Tech's defense is awful, and I think Virginia Tech found a little something last week. But, you know, I'm open to being wrong. I've been wrong before. I mean, I don't want you to be wrong. I'm just <laughs> no, saying I know you that. Don't. I know you don't. I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying that, saying. like, I, I just I wanted to make sure we were watching the same offense. No, 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 we are. We are. No, we, we definitely are. I mean, I know how low – Hey, I just got done talking about how low the floor is on offense. I'm with, I'm with you there. I just, <laughs> it's I, like, what's the floor? I'm there. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't have Earth? to convince me. Yeah, you don't have to convince me the offense is bad. I'm, I'm there. I just, I, I think if, um, again, though, like confidence that that's going to be enough to win the game is a little bit different, right? Because I think if Justin Fuente is more involved in the offense again this week, which is what he mentioned in his weekly press conference, said, yeah, I'm going to stay over there on that side of the ball and help out more this week, which I think is a smart decision. Too little, too late, probably, but a smart decision nonetheless. Like, can Justin Hamilton stand on his own defensively? Like, as, as a Yeah, which is a, which is a hell of a question. Yeah, so it's one thing for me to think, yeah, that the Fuente, the Fuente led offense, which is what I'm going to call it now, because we know he, this guy's hand heavily involved the Fuente led offense. Could they score 33 and run the football like they did last week against a defense at Georgia tech. That's worse than Syracuse's. Yes. Now my confidence interval is a little bit different. If you're asking me is 33 going to be enough to win the game? Maybe I'm a little bit on the lower side of that, right? Like may, maybe that's more like a four or a five. I have no idea what version of Virginia Tech's defense is going to show up on Saturday. And that's, that's the biggest question of the game for me. Because I, I think Virginia Tech, even if you get a, a poor version of Virginia Tech's offense, Tech's going to score some points on Georgia Tech by nature of Georgia Tech's defense being so poor. The linebacking core especially, we touched on it briefly at the beginning of the podcast, Georgia Tech's linebacking core is so bad that even Virginia Tech, I think, will be able to run a little bit on this Georgia Tech defense. Like, Virginia Tech's offense wasn't playing particularly well going into Notre Dame, still found a way to score 29 points, right? Like, I think Virginia Tech can, can get in the mid to high 20s 
without having the best version of themselves on the field on Saturday. I don't think we're going to see, I think, let me backtrack a little bit. I think the pit performance was an aberration, even with as poorly as this offense has performed at times this year, like 224 yards was really, really, really poor. I think that was like a bottoming out situation. And Georgia Tech's defense is one of the worst defenses Virginia Tech has faced. But my big question for this football game is whether or not Virginia Tech's defense is able to slow down Jeff Sims and create enough turnovers to, to put Virginia Tech in, in positive situations offensively. That's the question for me. Look, I certainly hope the pit performance was bottoming out because that is the least inspired offensive performance I have ever Again, seen. Again, open to being wrong, but I, and hope I'm not, but that's, yeah. Okay. Uh, before we go to our ACC picks here, I kind of want to look at the big picture and how it applies to this game this week and I guess the remainder of the season. It's no secret what's going on with this program and that this is probably the end of the line for the Fuente regime and as such with the future of a lot of the players in that locker room who knows whether they'll be back next year obviously coaching changes lead to a lot of transfers decommitment from recruits and whatnot do you believe that the outside noise is going to have an outsized impact on the mentality of these guys and that it's going to show on the field. Like, is this a situation where we wouldn't be surprised that the team totally just gives up given what's happening with the program or I think, you think we're not there yet. I, I don't think we're there yet so far. This team's played pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and that's admirable for sure. Yeah. I'm very, very proud that this hasn't turned into 2018 yet. Um, that's not to say that it can't. I mean, we could get to that point with so many road games left on the schedule. And in that Duke game, if if the fans aren't there, that could be a really crappy environment as far as Lane Stadium is concerned. But no, I think right now I'm not concerned about their mentality. But as the losses mount, that will continue to be a – I think that concern will get uh, a bit larger every time they take another L. I agree. And I, I think it says a lot that they're still playing hard for Fuente, right? Um, they're still playing hard for their head coach. There's a level of respect that they have for Fuente. It doesn't mean that they have a level of respect for every single member of the coaching staff, but the fact they're still playing hard for Fuente, the fact they didn't roll over last week after that Pittsburgh debacle uh, was admirable. But like Ricky said, like week to week, if the losses continue to mount, that, that could become an issue. All right, gentlemen, well, on that note, let's get to our ACC picks. Starting it off, the return of Bronco Mendenhall to Provo, Utah, as UVA takes on BYU. UVA, a two-and-a-half-point underdog in the contest. Give me the Mormons. I think UVA is a better team, but the line doesn't really make a lot of sense. I'm going to go with BYU also. I'm not going to doubt Brandon Armstrong the way that he's playing right now. I think UVA wins this game outright. Nice. Bet it. All right. Bet yep. it, you coward. I will. Actually, I can't <laughs> because I'm in Virginia. So yeah, that's true. Don't feel like calling the Jersey bookie <laughs> on that one. Uh, 
Miami goes to Pitt. Pitt nine point favorite. Uh, give me Pitt. I like Miami actually. I mean Pitt to win, Miami to cover. I, I, not Miami outright. Jesus. I would never bet this game. There's a lot of unbettable games this week, but this would be at the top of the list for me. I'm going to go with Pitt. Pitt's a That's how to confident. Pitt's a darn good football team, man. I don't know. Miami Miami would just not it's be It's like back. that scene in Anchorman where he's like, I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> that, that was Andrew picking yeah. that game. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. All right, moving on. What would have been the game of the year in 2012? Florida State travels to Clemson. <laughs> Clemson, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. This is just completely indicative of the weird-ass season we're all currently going through in the sense that that Florida State and Clemson have a combined seven wins, and it's almost November. Um, I don't think Clemson's beating anybody by double digits, so I'll take the Seminoles to cover the spread. I think Clemson wins. But um, I, they're not. I don't think they're winning by two scores. Yep, I'm with you. Clemson wins. Florida State covers. Clemson D- is one of DJ Uyangale is just not good right now. No. Like he's he's got the tools. Everybody yeah. knows it, but he is not using them. No, agree. Yeah, Clemson is one of two FBS teams that have not scored 20 points against a Power Five opponent this year. So yeah, y- y- y'all like we all thought Tech's offense was bad. Look at this Clemson offense with as much talent as they got on that roster. Worse. Yikes. They're worse. They're worse than Virginia Tech's offense. So I'm going to go <laughs> against everything that I said earlier in this podcast when I said it was October 28th. And when someone shows you who they are, believe them and stop pretending like there's some magic switch that's going to be flipped and everything's going to change completely. Everything will change completely. Clemson wins by 20. Uh, I'll take- wow. Hello. Can they score 20? Well, it would be the first time, according to uh, Dave McDaniel over here. Uh, Would be. (laughs) Will be the first time against a real team. Yeah. Boston College on the road, carrier down, weird place to play with the Syracuse Orange, fresh off their first ACC win in like two years. Now, six and a half point favorites at home. I y'all know I love me some Jeff Halfley, but I don't think Boston. Do you love College him as much is... as Dino, though. You also love yourself some Dino. I do. Like this is a hard <laughs> game for me. Like it's tugging at my heart. Um, but I don't think, in all seriousness, I don't think BC is walking into the Jiffy Pop Dome and winning with a backup quarterback. So I'll take Syracuse, um, especially if Garrett Schrader all of a sudden learned how to throw the football which it certainly looks like he did last week. Yes, yeah, so let's see if Garrett Shader can heave the ball in the air while getting wrecked. <laughs> yeah. Once again, let's yeah, he was do good enough. A thousand times. Like... I mean, yeah, apparently because good enough for fourth Virginia Tech and sadness is uh, all yeah. need. What do you got, Mike? I have Syracuse winning. I think BC keeps it close, though. I Syracuse has been good. I just can't pick them as a touchdown favorite over a conference opponent. I don't. Sean Tucker is going to be probably an SEC running back 365 days from now, running behind <laughs> some mammoth offensive line. You see on Twitter, he's 
basically advertising for his own transfer weekend. Is he really? Yeah, dude, look at his Twitter. All it is is, dude, he tweets the final score, Syracuse X, like Florida State X. I ran for 154 yards and three touchdowns, but I wish I could have done more to help my team win. (laughs) Yeah. Basically saying this team blows. Get yeah. me up out of upstate New York, which hey, I don't blame him. Uh, he would be he'd be a lot more comfy in Lexington or Auburn or Tuscaloosa or something like that. They'll take him in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm sure he'd thrive there. But uh, yeah, BC hasn't been great against the run, and Sean Tucker has been great running the ball. So, and uh, I feel like things might be bottoming out potentially at the right time for Boston College if you're a Virginia Tech fan, but. Hokies need to focus on the task at hand. We'll get to that in just a minute. Duke Wake Forest. Wake Forest, a 16-point favorite. Wake's been a little shaky, Mike. What's up with your steaming deeks? I don't play any defense, Rick. Yeah, defense doesn't exist. Uh, we need to talk to Chase about that. Um, <laughs> good let thing. Get Duke fo- can- let me get on the phone. Yeah, go ahead and get him on the phone before the end of the pod. Uh, but in all seriousness, I don't think Duke's offense is very good, so I'm not sure it's going to matter. Uh, 16 points is a lot, but I believe in Dave Clawson. I'll take to cover the spread. Wake comfy. What have I been saying all year, boys? Triple H, Holmberg for Heisman, but no, I like Wake big. <laughs> Holmberg for Heisman, but not actually. <laughs> but no, unfortunately not. Chase, though, if you're listening, remember, send me some Wake gear. Also, get play some defense. Yeah, play some defense. <laughs> yeah. De facto defensive coordinator, Chase Muma. They gave up 50 to Army. And, like, it's not even, like, the Army from a couple years ago when, like, they were winning eight, nine games. Yeah. Wake scored 63 points in 17 minutes of possession time and then added a pick six onto that. (laughs) That's so impressive. I mean, they they were having, like, two-play drive. I mean, I guess Army, but that's impressive still. The record books, Sam Hartman's for the writing uh unc at notre dame notre dame three and a half point favorite kind of surprised this line isn't bigger um i'll take the irish i don't have any reservation in that either notre dame i think the only reason why the line's low is because kyle hamilton hurt himself last week but I don't. I, I don't think Carolina's offensive line can block Notre Dame's front anyway. Defense playing pretty I, I well. I think. I think people need to stop banking on this Carolina offense being wor- otherworldly, like we all thought it was going to be. Right. Revving up a little bit though. I mean, I'm taking Notre Dame too, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> to say. It's like yeah, they're revving, revving up, up like, but they're not beating uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. He, 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 here's what I'll say. I'm more worried because I'm going to the the wake. UNC game not this weekend but next weekend and I'm assuming that Wake is going to be undefeated they'll probably be like 11th in the country games at Keenan Stadium I'm a little worried about Wake the way they've been playing defense in that one but that's a conversation we'll have in a week uh Louisville NC State NC State six and a half Mm, NC State's coming off a pretty annoying loss um but they're at home I'll take the Wolfpack NC State bounce back i just don't even know what to think about louisville but i view I, dude, a, dude you just give up man like get in line 
None of they, us do. Yeah, they, that team makes no sense. I and feel like we. I feel like week in and week out, though, NC State has painted a picture of themselves as a pretty complete football team. So it's almost okay. like whenever Mike jokes about which Cunningham are we going to get, like that. It, it's basically what what Louisville are we going to get whenever the hell they they roll out roll the balls out there and get on the field. Yep, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. All right, last one, boys. The Hokies travel to Atlanta for their four-point underdogs at Georgia Tech. Is this thing going three and five, or will they come home 500 before the short week against Boston College? I don't know what Virginia Tech's record is when the spread is under a touchdown, but I'm pretty sure it's really bad. bad. I think it's like two and 16 or two and 15. I think that's within three and a half points, Mike. That's two two and whatever number. Sounds right. Okay, so basically in in pick'em games, which this one almost is, uh, Virginia Tech loses almost all of them in, in the Justin Fuente era. That's demoralizing. Uh, yes. Changed the last five years of our lives. But I don't think Virginia Tech loses four in a row. Uh, I think Virginia Tech wins this game. I think the defense plays moderately better. Um, Georgia Tech's offense really hit or miss they're, they're going to make some mistakes i think virginia tech's defense will capitalize on some of them and i'm banking on malachi thomas having not obviously the game he had last week because that what might be the best game of his career but i think that he can impact the game for sure uh it's going to be rainy in this game which i think benefits uh virginia tech i'm going to go Hokies 28 georgia tech 27 33-27 Hokies. I agree. I don't think they lose four straight. I think the offense plays well again, and I think the defense plays better than last week. I think a Jeff Sims turnover or two makes a difference. Virginia Tech has done such a nice job taking care of the football. Um, Hokies are also the least Knock penalized team in, in the FPS. So, I mean – if if you're trying to find a new and creative way to lose, it would be Virginia Tech committing like 17 false starts or something, and turning or turning it over like four or five times. Yeah, and neither of it's weird that Virginia Tech's three and four. And you know what? I probably should have mentioned this earlier. Big reason why I think Virginia Tech has kept themselves in a lot of football games this year when they maybe because they're not turning all the, the ball over. They're not turning it over, and they're not committing penalties. So if you cleaned up the situational stuff, we're probably talking about a a. a <laughs> five and two team or six and one or something, but we're not, unfortunately. Yeah. Biffs and butts were candies and nuts. Mike, we would all have a merry Christmas. Uh, I'm going to go Virginia tech 33 Georgia tech 55. All right. That's going to do it for us. Oh, here whoa, at the hold on. Whoa, what was that score? Any last 55? That, 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 you're, you're capping, right? Like you're, you're not, you don't actually believe. <laughs> no, I, Georgia I, Tech I, is <laughs> gonna, you, so you were banking on a, a reaction out of us two. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. So, because so, Jesus Christ. So, if, so, if Virginia Tech gives up 55 in this game, <laughs> I hear everybody. Just not stop not watching to, the rest of the season. Just stop watching. <laughs> well, it could happen. You never know. But no, I'm going to go like 36-30. Virginia Tech. Wait, Virginia Tech. Okay, so yeah, is this I, the first I, time? 
Is this the first time that we've all picked Tech to beat a Power 5 team this year in the same week? Uh, maybe. Yeah, probably, maybe. actually. Which is funny because they're coming off a three-game losing streak. Yeah. And all of I a mean, sudden, we're like, hey, they're going to win. But we're hitting a cliff of, you know, level of competition. We just happen to not beat any of the good competition I mean, following week one. This is the first time I've picked Virginia Tech to win since the Richmond game. Mm. Brutal. Oh. Well, Mike, yeah. you just hate. You started putting Tech. actual. Oh yeah, yeah. I just hate. I just hate Virginia Tech. You're not That's a real fan, Mike McDaniel. You're yeah. You're not a real fan, bro. You're not a diehard. Not a diehard. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite comment in the review section of this podcast is the one that says, "For those guys calling themselves Hokie fans, they're pretty critical of Coach Fuente and staff." It's like, well, <laughs> don't know what to tell you. It ain't much, but it's honest work. <laughs> it's like, it ain't much, it, but it's honest work. <laughs> it's like, for you to call yourself a Hokie fan reviewer, you're pretty <laughs> apathetic towards the actual results on the field. <laughs> oh, man. We have officially reached the point in the season where we're going after people who review the pod. <laughs> My second favorite is whatever personal enemy Ricky's made. Yeah, Ricky will lose a joke. <laughs> it's like, get him out of here. The actual comment says, that guy's a joke. That's the entire review. Ricky will lose a joke is the title of it. I mean, I, 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 was, I was able to get someone to call me on Twitter back in 2016 a dick bag. So I, I have that's just I, called I, Wednesday for Mike McDaniel. I, I, have had, I have had success in the past at getting folks to turn on me pretty quickly. <laughs> that's just Wednesday for Mike McDaniel. <laughs> it, 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 it's like that meme that Andrew shares on Instagram every Wednesday. It's <laughs> just like, what a what week. A long week. <laughs> Captain, it's, it's only Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> I forgot to post that yesterday and I got like three text messages around like six o'clock. It was like, dude, where is it? It's like, this is what gets me through the week. I did see it oh, though. Dude. So it did get posted. It did. I, I literally responded I'm like, thank you so much. I did God. All right, gentlemen. Well, that should do it for us. Any words for the folks at home before we wrap this thing up? Yes. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, as always. Um, vote. Voting is Tuesday. Um, I don't really care who you vote for. That's not true. I do care. But the main thing is that you do vote and that you go exercise your, your right to do that. So go do that on Tuesday. Make some time for it. Yeah, I would vote for the guy that constantly wears the vest, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you got anything? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, nope, nope. All set here. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, that's gonna do it for us. Looks like I'm here in I'm here in my door. Looks like my DoorDash guy has arrived. Asian zing wings on the way, and that will do it for us. Andrew Alex, Ricky the Blue, Mike McDaniel. We will be back to recap the Georgia Tech game, which is hopefully not the fourth straight loss for Virginia Tech. We will talk to you about it. Either way, through thick or thin, enjoy your weekend, my friends. And as always, go Hokies.